0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hey, all. It's Jason. If you think the conversations on X-Ray Vision get real, (laughs) you need to listen to Louder Than a Riot. They're calling out and breaking down the unwritten rules of rap that have held the entire culture back. This is not me saying this. I'm not weighing in here. This is the promo read. Whether it's confronting sexism or queerphobia, these are the stories of rule-breakers who have refused to play nice. Rico Nasty, Trina, Saucy Santana, Megan the Stallion, and more. I'm telling you, this podcast brings the heat. Listen to Louder Than a Riot from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. This ad read was written by NPR. Warning: this podcast contains spoilers for the season three finale of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. Hello, my name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the crooked podcast where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics,
2: and pop culture. In this episode, in the airlock, we're recapping the season three finale of The Mandalorian. And what, oh. what a finale it was with our lovely friend Jason Manzukas. Yes. In the hive mind, more Manzoukas for Comics Corner where we talk about all the books we have been reading, what we can't wait for, and what you should be reading. And in Nerd Out... It's a Star Wars pitch from listener Marcus. Up next, the airlock.
1: Stepping out of the airlock and into a galaxy far, far away to discuss the Mandalorian season three finale alongside friend of the pod, Jason Manzoukas, co-host of How Did This Get Made. Jason, thank you so much for joining
3: Thrilled to be here. (laughs) Guys, this is the way.
1: This is, <laughs> this, this, this is the way. This is the this way. This is the way this it the should way. be
3: done all the time.
4: <laughs> this <laughs> is
1: the way. Absolutely. Let's talk about Season 3, Episode 8, Chapter 24, The Return, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, written by Jon Favreau. We pick up right after the events of the previous episode. First off, on behalf <laughs> of X-Ray Vision, I would like to apologize to Axe Woves, who is not a spy, and also whose jetpack can absolutely get him into orbit up to the Uh, spacecraft, which...
3: Crazy. Cannon, new cannon. Crazy. Who, I mean, we just, only a few episodes ago saw the Mandalorians in the covert run out of gas, chasing a bird. Thank you.
2: How did Paz Vizsla manage to run out of gas, but Axe Woves can fly yeah. into space?
3: Axe Woves can basically, g- has a hyperdrive on his back. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, my guy's like up in the atmosphere and our, uh, the rest of the covert couldn't even chase the bird when it, when it, when it captured Ragnar.
2: <laughs> and it had eaten many children at that point. Like, more than it stolen more than one ch- child. So, this axe, you could have been more useful. Uh, well, I, I think there's,
1: I have two possible theories. One is that Axe and his crew, they kept it tight. They were active mm. mercenaries. They were working out in the world, doing stuff for cash. And they had to be ready <laughs> for game time in a way that Paz and the rest of them, rednecking around by Crocodile Lake, were not. Like and classic. then the second theory is that. Paz is just a deadbeat dad who <laughs> never, who was just irresponsible. Number one, and you can see that by the fact that he didn't have his jetpack gassed up. And then number two, I kind of think that the reason that he was like, you know what, I'm going to hold off the dark troopers. You guys get out of here. It's just he didn't want to raise his kid.
3: Wow. I mean, I bleak, bleak, I mean, bleak. that is brutal. You know what? I that is like- a brutal take on our guy Paz Vizla. <laughs>
2: He sacrificed himself to three Praetorian gods <laughs> to save the Mandalorians. But you say, because he it, didn't
1: want to pay Charles's Not even a word for his son. Not <laughs> even a tell my son not even about tell, how.
3: I, tell Ragnar tell I him. love him.
1: <laughs> tell him. Tell Ragnar I love him and tell him what a hero he's Just like, yeah, He's I'm him. out. Yeah, I'll take him. You guys get out of here.
3: <laughs> it was, that was, there has been some wild, wild. I Did you guys also feel like I got so. Um, pregnant with the idea that Axe Wolves was a spy or was... I quest- yes, I, I, yes. we
2: were invested. That
3: I had a hard time believing he was saving the day, which unquestionably Truly. he was doing. He is a hero on Mandalore, and the entire time I was like, this fucking guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was like, oh, getting all the Mandalorians to leave the ship. That's suspicious.
1: Exactly. And the, <laughs> and the way the captain of the ship gives him like a double take look, like, yes! really? Like we works out. I was like, oh here it comes, yeah. here comes my exposed. <laughs> like shoots them all in the back and it just <laughs> never happens. It just never happened an Axe wolves stand-up guy to the end. My apologies.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, We're going to hand is- out a lot of apologies today, I think. I absolutely. Some um, I, I will is- say, unfortunately, unfortunately, we are going to hand <laughs> yes. out a lot of apologies because, boy, would I like, would I have loved for one of these things to have been yes. proven true, <laughs> think, for one of I these think- people to have been yes. duplicitous.
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, Back on the planet, Bo is leading uh, the survivors out of Moff Gideon's base. Uh, She radios to the very, very loyal Axe (laughs) Woes before he's cut off by the atmosphere to say, hey, okay, use the capital ship as a decoy. Get all the warriors off the ships and down to the surface. I'll talk to you later. Uh, uh, Then she has to use a a thermal detonator to collapse a tunnel because the uh, dark trooper armor is really, really good. Back. Uh, somewhere else in the base, Din breaks free from his captain. You got to have more guys on Din.
2: Truly, this is an absolute strategical mistake. <laughs> Do you, you have Mandalorian armor. Guess who knows how to use it better? A Mandalorian. Yeah. Like every time. And also, he has a Force-sensitive baby whose midichlorians are so strong, you were trying to steal them.
1: And Moff, what are you saving them for? You got so many guys. And
2: you got a baby. So Just what do you th- need? You don't two need more it. guys
1: on
3: the I him. was did. also confused throughout, both last week, at the end of last week and this week. I couldn't believe Moff Gideon was not intrigued or interested at all that Grogu was there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the dude spent the first entire season <laughs> chasing Grogu for his blood. They bring Grogu to his cloning base. He doesn't even, he's full on playing hard to get. He's ignoring <laughs> Grogu.
2: Not, not even like a you again. Yeah. Like just like, and, and it now is in a, it's a Grogu in a mech. Yeah. So this is like not an easy thing to just ignore. Yeah.
3: Like how is there not a, a scene where, where Moff Gideon is like, is that Grogu in a mech? <laughs> in a mech?
2: <laughs> you put that baby in a gun? suit.
3: I, I would love it. I would love it if 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 um, Werner Herzog came in and was like, "I would like to see the mech baby."
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let
3: me see the mech. Let me see the mech uh, baby.
1: So Din takes out these uh, dark troopers, and then Grogu arrives to kind of save the day when uh, Din is about to get choked out and then shot in the head. Uh, comes up, says, "No, no, no!" Crushes the pistol, and then. What is he spraying on his dad? Is that, like, fire extinguisher fluid or BACTA? I assume it was BACTA. Yeah, Yeah, I I thought it was BACTA. The same way that um,
3: IG-11 did. Sorry, Rosie. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he did it because... There was a uh, heat and fire, but yeah, it's it's back. It was definitely back to it. It was really funny because Din's like, "Please stop." Oh,
3: but it was and also then, sweet because Grogu's Din's trying to sweet. rescue his dad, and his dad's like, "I'm okay. I'm okay." I <laughs> should at this point apologize for bringing you into an active war zone, my child. Is Ragnar here? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then uh, then Din says, "Grogu, I'm gonna need you to be brave for me <laughs> because if we don't." Take out Moff Gideon. This will never end. Are you with me? And of course, baby Grogu, Grogu is like, oh
2: yes. Yeah.
1: And I just love that Din is like, listen, we gotta murder this guy. Yeah, yeah
2: Din's like, are you with me, my child, yeah. my small baby that we
1: can't gotta, talk? We gotta fucking kill. You this gonna guy. kill him? We and the baby's like,
2: yeah,
3: yeah, I love it. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to be brave, Grogu, because today we murder.
1: <laughs> yes, it's gonna happen now. Din then uh, radios Bo with the update. Uh, He and the baby are going to kill Moff Gideon. Uh, (laughs) Bo and the fighters escape to the surface. They head to one of the night owls' hideouts. And it is at that moment that the TIE forces, the TIE fighters and the bombers, scream into the sky to attack the capital ship. Uh, Din radios R5. He's like, I need you, buddy. Uh, We need you to scomp. Did anybody... Did anybody track this? I wrote it down. Skump. I wrote it in my a, notes.
3: I was like, what the? <laughs> a what? new
1: verb? we're going to need you to scomp
2: into the base and get me the location of Moff Gideon's command center. Is, that... is scomping what we call when the droids do their little jetpacks and fly I guess... places? Oh. I'm like, is
3: that oh. specifically a droid Interesting. word? Interesting. That might be true. I took it to mean like hack. I'm going to need you to hack, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, hack little... into the system and blah, blah, blah. Whatever he said. I can't remember what he said to do. But, you know, that's what I assumed it was. But it's such a weird word. It's so good. Also
2: like, I feel like we still have never tapped in, you know, decades later, to the absolute amount of gadgets. That, that our units have. It's like, fantastic. They just always have what you need, whether it's a tiny little hand to electrocute something, a hacking it, it, It's almost like being a green lantern. You have and, infinite willpower. And <laughs> shouts
1: to R5 for having the appropriate amount of gas in his jet <laughs> At boosters.
2: At he's, like, he's not
1: making that mistake. <laughs> like Daddy Visla. Um, <laughs> so uh, R5, using his little jets, he floats down uh, from the surface to the base and begins looking for the nearest port, data port that he can use to scomp into the system. If that is the correct reason. <laughs> I like it. Um, Axe gets through the uh, gets through the clouds. He makes it to the ships. He uh, tells all the Mandalorians, "Okay, get out of here." Suspicious. Head, head to yeah. the drop dropship. <laughs> just saying, suspicious. Uh, I will pilot the capital ship. And there's all these really cool, um, uh, uh, like scenes of the Mandalorians like skidding onto the ramp yeah. of a ship.
2: I just want to say as well. I feel like they were. Looking at a lot of 80s Iron Man comics yeah, because cool. while these Mandalorians are flying, there is so much time that it looks like Iron say, Man yeah. armor. I wondered if they
3: used
1: like Iron Man assets. That's what know, I, from I the- had the
3: I, same it, right? thought. Yes,
2: I, I bet you they did. Yeah, right? They had to. Have. It's just so much easier and it's so clean. Yeah, like it. This does not look rushed. This looks like you literally are seeing. Tens of people flying through and they space don't in have these a very lot recognizable flying. suits.
3: Yeah, they don't yeah. have a lot of flying from past seasons. That's mm-hmm. a brand new thing. So, but they have a ton of metal-suited character flying through the air. So, yeah, yeah. I'm sure some of this is in barred. a very
2: similar position it, too, that kind of
1: Superman. I, I bet you it's Iron Man three assets. From <laughs> I like the that and fight. Where Tony is fighting like all the suits. It, oh my oh, gosh! Yeah, and there's yeah, yeah. multiple
2: yeah. Iron Mans.
3: We uh, we cracked it, guys. We cracked it. We did. We figured it
1: out. <laughs> that
2: is true facts, <laughs> canon. Absolutely happened.
1: So the uh, the Mandalorians are heading towards the planet, and uh, just then the tie bombers, the tie fighters come up and they start attacking the ship. Uh, where Axe Wolves is heroically piloting the ship without any kind of ulterior motive. Big Holdo
2: energy. Absol- he is, he's going to do it. He's he going to crash it.
1: He is absolutely loyal to the cause. And again, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Axe Wolves. That wait,
3: honestly, did. Axe Wolves, thank you for your service. <laughs>
2: really? <laughs> really?
3: Look, actually, really?
2: I, we apologize, but I would like to put the blame for us suspe- like, suspecting you very directly on whoever chose to name the last episode the spies. Just yes. saying. I Wait, so... <laughs> I guess let's talk about this. So what were the spies then R5 and G68? I wonder if was the that... spies are like the Imperial yeah. remnant who are still, you know, the Zoom cool. Oh, OK. The, the, the Imperial Zoom call. I, cool? I, I, I don't wonder know.
3: if it was them. I, I think it's I, I mean, I, it, it does it doesn't add up because and I, mm-hmm. only because I feel like we all have spent so much time. Uh, uh, theorizing and and, yes. and trying to figure it out, and came up with. Uh, uh, we owe, we owe also an apology to the night owls. Uh,
1: yes, as yes. <laughs> very true. Who were very also, true. also uh, Pinned as
3: oh well, don't they know exactly what trap <laughs> to bring everybody into? And aren't they, uh, but but you know everybody's <laughs> like
2: apologize to the Amara. Yeah. yeah, she uh, was also up the, there. also the oh, yeah. <laughs> She literally committed her whole life to rebuilding the Maglorians, and we were like. Oh, guess who knows how to make best yeah, armor? Yes. That would be useful for Gideon. And guess oh. who's selling
3: out our people? The armor. <laughs> and it, it, oh, but I will say, once again, and uh, listen, I love this show. This is like one of my yeah, all-time yeah, yeah. favorites. I joy. love this yeah. show. But I would have liked for one of these things to be true because I would have liked one more layer of double crosses or mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. kind of, uh, just surprises. That's what I was looking for.
1: And make it the night owls, I say, because Axe, I get it, like, uh, he's almost too suspicious. The night owls, we just met these guys. Mm-hmm. That's fine.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Also, as well, you would have had a definite narrative satisfaction to show how Axe was really heroic and then pull the rug from underneath you and go, oh, actually, it, it was that." Yeah. It would have been fun, but that's okay. Um, back at the
1: base... There's some really classic Star Wars stuff happening mm-hmm. now. You got Din and Grogu sneaking around an Imperial base. It's just like the old days. You have an R unit hacking in, guiding them along the way. Uh, they come to this uh, the tunnel that we saw Moff Gideon emerge from uh, when he went to go take that Zoom call, which <laughs> is protected by a series of laser shields, which R five needs to open one at a time. And it and it's uh, the fight that unfurls here. Uh, where you know uh, Din has to be like, okay, now open the next gate. Where he and and then he's going to fight two uh, Dark Troopers there, and then open the next one. He's going to fight two Dark Troopers. Very reminiscent of the uh, Jin Obi Wan Maul duel from the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. At least
3: the visual. Well, using right? those shields, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And I feel like the Reds. I feel like this again is feeling very Lost Jedi. I feel like there was a lot yeah. of Lost Jedi echoes here with the, obviously the Praetorian Guards and everything, but the Reds and the kind of like you got to fight a couple of troopers in this very dynamic way i was a fan of this fight it was a cool idea. i liked
3: a lot of the fights i liked yeah, a lot yeah, of it. They this were good. this episode i thought had good a good variety of fights mm-hmm. you know Big sky, like, um, dogfight stuff. Yeah. Uh, practical on the ground, hand to hand. The Bo-Katan fight with the Darksaber and the, oh, yeah. and whatever oh, Moff yeah. Gideon's staff is called. I'm not sure. But, you know, the, it, it, I really liked the variety of stuff that this episode Completely. had. Yeah, I agree.
1: And everybody got to whoop a little ass. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever we went back to the armorer in the sky, just molly whopping <laughs> dark troopers, I was like, wow, that was... That's really cool. And I love that the
3: armorer is never like you know what for this. Give me a blaster. No, 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 It's not happening. Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Give me the barbecue. The barbecue (laughs) tools, and I'm going to town. It's (laughs) also
2: nice that they built up this idea of these Mandalorian partially Mandalorian armored troopers, and then actually showed us them using their Mandalorian armor and Mandalorian yeah. weapons. That could have been very easy to skip over, but we really got that in Din with, like, the little lassoes that shot out and everything. That was very fun. Oh, yeah, um, and
3: Moff we, Gideon had, like, the rockets that shoot out of his... Yeah, um, yeah. the classic The style. whispering angels or whatever. Not whispering angels. Oh, my God, please, that's Crossover! the
4: rosé. <laughs> that's
3: the rosé. Please make it those. Make, what were they called? whispering oh, yeah. what birds.
1: Were what were they? Uh, the oh. whispering birds, right? Yeah, whispering Some, birds. Yeah.
3: Something like that. Um, um, man, I wish it was called whispering angels, and they just had like really a delightful little sip of rosé that came along with them. <laughs>
1: uh, meanwhile, R five has to escape a gang of mouse droids who are
2: that getting
1: in his face because like, he's hacking
2: they had into like, the
3: like system. Police sirens on. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. Like the one came up and he shocked him, and that then the like, others came up, and he was just like, "I Peace need backup." And he just flew up,
1: scomped away. Uh, inside the command center, Din and Grogu find all of Gideon's clones. He's been cloning himself, apparently to give himself a versions of himself, the Force. Yes, he really uh, wants
2: the Force. He's obsession. One of them of
1: gives poor baby Grogu a mighty scare. And this classic is a classic
2: eye-opening scare. And Looking s- at something in a tank.
1: Boom. And so yeah. Din is like, fuck these clones. They all got to die. And he just kills
2: them <laughs> How all. How dare you scare wonderful.
1: my son? <laughs> um, the night owls... Then lead who again, hearty apologies to them. Sorry, then can, I,
3: can I interrupt you? I'm so sorry, <laughs> yes, Jason. No, no, please, please, I, please, I have a question uh, only yeah. because I feel like this beat where we see the uh, Moff Gideon's clone process. Yes. All of the tanks are full of Moff Gideon clones. Right. And so I feel like this is a real change from what I have thought we've been building towards all this time, which is Moff Gideon wanted Grogu's blood so that he could participate in the making of Snoke and then ultimately a Force-sensitive Palpatine. Yeah, But this seems to say, no, that is not the case. He was using Pershing to use Grogu's blood to make Force-sensitive Moff Gideons. I think, I that think that's, that's right.
2: True. yeah. I do not think it takes away from it's just a little bit of a diversion. I believe oh, yeah. that the people who are Project Necromancer, who he has been hiding this from will inevitably find totally. out he did this and the technology will be used. It just, but it, it just is pushes hilarious. it back a little.
3: Yeah, I uh, think yeah, it just yeah. pushes it back a little. They're going to take all this and then use it to make.: Exactly. No I think that, that
1: is I, I, if that feels right, and I also say on that Zoom call, they kind of get in Moff Gideon's ass for, like, using Pershing for stuff that is not no. related to Snoke and later on Palpatine, it yeah. feels yeah. like. Because it's like, you you took Pershing and you were doing all this weird stuff <laughs> And he's Navarro. like, I, I wait, don't
2: even like cloning. That's well, your yeah I, I, I'm love I'm that not, after, You're the crazy he, clone guy. <laughs> after I'm not he the just, clone just <laughs> walked through
3: a room of cloning <laughs> of course. tapes, he's like, <laughs> he's like, what cloning? What are you he's talking like, oh, about?
2: My favorite thing about this is, like, I get it. it it's almost too big to just immediately commit to kind of retconning and expanding on the sequel trilogies as we thought it was going to most directly do. But it is actually a very hilarious motivation when you really think about it. It's just some guy who was like, well, I just want some force sensitive clone versions of myself to make an army of me's. And everyone's like, well, well, this doesn't have anything to do with Palpatine. And he's like, just some force sensitive Moff Gideon. Can I,
1: can I ask one more question? Obviously like his plan was to create an army of clones. Uh, are, are all the guys in the Dark Trooper him? <laughs> like all the all or all the Dark Trooper dudes, <sighs> Moff
3: Kitty? I don't. I mean, you mean non-force sensitive Moff Kitty? Yeah, no, I would
4: he's,
0: say.
2: I say like,
1: he's they like successful. the early stage. Like he's beta. succeeded
3: in making clones, right. but they're just regular clones.
1: Right. These are the beta clones. <laughs>
3: non-force. I think to, yeah, that <laughs> would be interesting. I, my guess is they're just stormtroopers who were loyal to him. Although Uh he uh does mention, well, what I was surprised by is that he said, this is the new evolution of the dark trooper and the dark troopers were robots, right? They were droids. Uh So, but these are definitely people in suits for sure. Yeah, These are guys
1: for sure. Uh, a lot to, a lot to think about. And it's, it is funny that you bring it up, Jason, because he he directly says, well, you're the one obsessed with, with cloning. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. And now it emerges
3: that you are just like cloning a, yourself. It's like a classic neg. Yeah, he's full yeah, blown negging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. negging the shadow council. It's great. <laughs> X ray vision will be back.
5: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one Mitt Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
6: of a detour. and we're back.
1: So the night owls lead Bo and the warriors to these uh, garden caves that they've been living in, beautiful, teeming with plant life. And again, we're sorry to them. These guys have been living in caves eating moss. (laughs) And and we have been (laughs) been doubting them. And I'm still like, how is this going to go bad?
2: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, this cave looks really small. Hard to fight your way out of there when they inevitably turn on you.
1: So the armor radios in, and uh, she's like, okay, guess what? The the cavalry's here. We're here. Uh, Let's do this. And Bo's like, let's take back our planet. Love it. They all scream for Moff Gideon's base, and then we get this delirious airborne battle that may or may not be taken from assets from Iron Man 3. (laughs) And I have to say, this is... I'm sitting here watching this, and it is... It looks great. Mm-hmm. It looks amazing. All like the armor swinging away, like bow with the dark saber out. We've never actually seen anything like this no. in Star Wars.
2: Like jetpack no. to jetpack battling. Not, certainly not Especially in live action. Especially not, not on this scale. scale. Yeah, not at the scale. This definitely makes me believe l- we were talking about the likelihood of which Star Wars projects would go on to become real. That this sequence and the amount that they committed to the armor and the Iron Man 3 assets makes <laughs> me think that the Allegedly. Dave- Allegedly the dave Filoni wrap up of this live action kind of mando ahsoka verse i this really upped my expectation of it actually making it to the big screen
3: oh i'm I'm on board for that a hundred percent like yeah i, I, I would mean love imagine to see it. imagine a big huge dogfight space battle or sky battle between ships and Mandalorians oh. in the sky. Yes. Landing get a, on the put, put, put Sabine Wren in there. Let's go. Oh, put please. the ghost in there. Let's go. Come oh. on.
2: I'd love to see it.
1: So uh, Din and Grogu find Gideon, and Gideon is whining about his fucking clothes. <laughs>
2: clothes. He, doesn't, he doesn't care about, <laughs> by the way. My clothes.
1: My fucking clothes. You swallowed them before they could take their first But Shut up. No now, one cares, bro. I have one geography question here. So... Din and Grogu, they get the location to the command center. They go through the laser-guarded hallway to get to it, and then they find Gideon standing on what is basically. We later find out, right? Because as the fight unfolds, Bo looks down and sees them fighting. They end up like on the spaceport, you know, on the side of the chasm. It's open to the air. Why did we have to? Why go didn't through the, Din just fly down because the just. Is that like... Maybe he'd run out of gas. <laughs> well, I, fu- I fully
3: agree. The other thing, that there's a little bit of confusion there too, which is he's uh, they get the information from R5. We got to find Moff Gideon's office. Right right great bing here it is we're going we're on our way they go through the gates everything Moff Gideon we've seen in his office he looks at a thing where Grogu and the Mandalorian <laughs> that's right, who yeah. have who have individual dots on the thing one red yeah, blue one and, green. blue and green yeah beautiful I love that they have the ability to have a green and a red dot on screen moving exactly when they move but there's no video surveillance in the entire base <laughs> Yes yes
2: yes that's the one of the best funniest but Moff, things But Moff
3: Gideon leaves his I mean he's like don't I'll deal with them. He leaves oh. his office.
2: <laughs> <He does. laughs>
1: Where's the office, guys? Anyway, which part is the actual office? So then we get this big fight between uh, Moff Gideon and Din, and I have to, I have <sighs> to hand it to Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon can ball, man. Moff Gideon gives Din everything he can handle, and then is like so confident that he just throws Din over to the Praetorians and is like, you take it. I'm not even going to get my sweat up because I can so easily kick this guy's ass.
2: Yeah, I mean, the suit definitely has hydraulics in it or something, right? It's it's an extreme version of anything that we've seen before.
3: I felt like they purposefully put in, like, these servo engines in the the sounds of his suit is, like, uh, 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 has more strength than just he does. Mm-hmm. It's not him powering the suit; it's the suit has power of its yeah. own. That's why he's so easily able to wipe the floor with Dinjarin and Bo Katan, unfortunately.
1: And Grogu, of course, cannot stand the sight of his dad getting about to get executed by these Praetorians. Which is when Grogu cries; it is visceral and it hits me so deeply. Give that Foley artist some serious money. It's unbelievable. Oh. I just find myself being like how do they make this sound? Why how do they why make his eyes so Like
4: web? a
2: like, place well. inside you a feral protective place. That?
1: Well, then it does
3: it does <laughs> trigger a response in me which is yeah. oh no, why is he here?
2: Yeah, why is he? There? Every Wait, time! No, I, I also feel like we are going to cover that in even more ex- <laughs> The end of this leaves me with more questions about <laughs> Din's parenting skills. But yeah, why is he there? Because they have to take him off Gideon. Yeah, He said it. Just <laughs> okay. leave the baby in the armorer's. He can like, handle himself. Hideout.
1: He's worth too much money. He can handle himself. Send him up to the ship with the traitor, Axe Wolves.
4: <laughs> yes,
2: in a little baby Bjorn. Axe will look after him. So Grogu.
1: Tries to intervene, but then the Praetorians are like, oh, this guy's washed. Let's kill the baby first (laughs) because we can come back to this. Yeah. And they pursue uh, Grogu, who is recoiling and afraid, and it is so heart-wrenching to, like, the side room. And now Din, seeing this happen, is like, oh, my God. Like, no, this can't happen. Gideon is shooting him in the back. He's lassoing him around the neck. And as all of this is happening, Din is powerless to watch the blast doors close with the three Praetorians in there with his little baby son. But Grogu, again, maybe I don't. I wouldn't do it this way. But maybe Din knows what he's doing. Grogu can handle himself. He flips <laughs> out of the IG mech, which is getting cut to
2: pieces. I also love that they were like throughout this season. We were like, "Well, we need a counter of how many times this baby flips," because they are like Beautiful establishing flips. that the baby can flip. And when it got to this. Episode where he flipped himself onto like the lighting rig. I was like, Oh, that's why they kept reminding us he could flip.
3: He can flip, <laughs> baby. They got so, it's a that's another. They've got it's control option F, yeah, and it just, it just <laughs> inserts a flip. <laughs> Meanwhile,
1: uh, Bo, who is fighting up in the you know, all the dark troopers up in the sky, looks down, sees Moff Gideon down there fighting Din, that you know. And is like, oh, there's uh, Moff Gideon's office, and she flies (laughs) down to join the fray. Now it's uh, Gideon uh, with uh, Verse Bow, and again, you have to say it, have to hand it to Gideon. Nobody can take him. He then wipes the floor with Bow, and uh, all I have to say is, we need the Mandalorians need to study what Moff Gideon did with the. This is what I'm
2: saying. out of all of the technology, look, we know that this technology is going to end up in the imperial hands, and we're going to get somehow Palpatine returned. But what I want to know is why didn't anyone take the technology of this suit? Because it's, we have never seen anything like this in Star Wars. Maybe since. it's
1: against their religion to like mess augment the strength with the suit. Yeah,
2: but like the Imperials, yeah, why isn't anyone? why isn't
3: Finn wearing one of these suits? Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Why you know like why aren't, what, why, aren't why aren't the, the Storm stormtroopers order of the new wearing... uh, New Order? What is that? What they're first, order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, first order? First order. I'm so yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The the first, why aren't the first, you it's not the band New Order? That's yeah. why I'm thinking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> why was it, why
2: was Captain Phasma so easy to take down, you know? Yeah. She seems like a prime example, because yeah. this suit is very Phasma evocative.
1: So in the side room now, uh, because Bo is taking The on side office. The side office, <laughs> because Bo, uh, Bo is getting hurt ass whooped by Moff Gideon Din and Grogu team up to stomp out the Praetorians Grogu's force abilities are really really evolved now uh, also he's uh, quite nimble yes uh, he does we lots see. of good
2: at the Frog Muppet yeah, running, running running across the lighting fixtures also, there okay so I want to ask you guys a question yeah his force is evolved but I'm guessing, what do you think? What? He doesn't choke anyone out. He used to be a he's lover of a force choker. Now he's kind of moving people with the force. Do you think that's because he studied with the Jedi, like he learned not to use the I dark I think they side? were like,
1: yeah, that's dark. That's dark material. Please don't yeah. do lightning and chokes. Please don't do lightning or chokes. Because he used to be a material.
2: powerful force choker.
1: Yeah. Well,
3: he was just... I felt like in the past, he was operating from just instinct. Mm. He was op- He was operating just he's, uh, from emotion, rather. I think yeah, you know, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just... Things were happening around him and he was just reactive. But now he spent, you know, what did Favreau say? That, that two years? Yeah. He yeah. was with Luke for two years or something That's... like that? So uh,
2: he's harnessed the Force So he's now. done some,
3: yeah, he's done more. And what we get out of it is he can move stuff with the Force and flip. And, and I, do
2: cool running, like little Muppet running.
3: Yeah, oh my god. The the little the little Kermit, oh the little Kermit feet were really great. It
2: makes me so happy when
1: I see a puppet with legs. I know I absolutely love it. So they they take out the Praetorians uh and then go great. to Great love
3: by the way, love seeing the Praetorians. So it was cool. really cool. Very love exciting. You I... can
1: absolutely handle themselves.
2: One of the best contemporary star wars visualizations and creations they're really scary and their weapons are so cool they're really really cool
1: and also
3: a great evolution of a of a something that in the in those in the old movies was just they're just always in it cool those guys are red oh isn't that neat what a great i had the figurine what a great figure what a great what a great kenner figurine or whatever i had and then it's the boba fett
2: it looks like a cool design but what does it do
3: and then in, La- in Last Jedi, they come in Oof. and are just so. That scene is maybe that my visualization, favorite. Oh, it's one of my all
2: time favorite stars. One of my
3: favorite, yeah.
2: It's such a great contemporary reintroduction. And to get to see them here again. And showcase that brutality and that fight is just so good. I wonder
1: if if it the the ornamental nature of the Praetorians in the original trilogy isn't just because Palpatine was such a badass he didn't really need them. It was Mm. like just get me any guy. Well, he was he was so
2: powerful with the Force like nobody even knew that he was up to. Like you need a bodyguard. Like Mm, I don't think who's getting
1: into this room anyway. (laughs) Um, So then they go to they go to help uh, a bow Moff Gideon. Fighting Bo has her at his mercy, crushes the Darksaber in his mighty armored up hand, which is here's a thousands of years old artifact, one of the most important objects in Star Wars history. I think you could fairly say a oh, legendary I and one of the most powerful artifacts just, in the canon. It, it's they got to fix it,
2: right? I'm like, was it a fake? <laughs> Did she say no, no, a... because it was I it had think... the hev- it had
1: the heaviness to it, it had that woness yeah, to it that it's gotta
2: be. But real. It, it was almost like he crushed the blade, which I just can't sort of comprehend how he'd even be able to do
3: it. I was surprised again because I felt like the story had been telling me he wants this blade back back. Yes. Right. He it, it. it meant it meant something to him that he had it, it meant something to him that he wanted it back, and that it seemed so easy for him to just crush it and be like the dark saber is broken <laughs> <You> yeah <know?
2: laughs> it's so true because if we think about it he kept talking in the last episode about how he wanted to be the leader of yeah, give give me the dark give saber me the dark saber. i can lead mandalore going. i've made these nightmare mandalore iron man suits so like let's do it let's see what happens. that was and he just he just crushed it yeah he was that, like, no. that was until
1: his favorite clones <laughs> got
2: trash. got thrown <laughs> okay, in the trash. I like it. This is a temper tantrum. Okay, yes. <laughs> He's smashing the, his toys. I mean, the way he says, my clone.
1: <laughs> He's, like, so mad about it. He really is mad And what's is interesting about
3: is it. Jedi, I feel like, throughout their history are constantly losing, breaking Mm -hmm, lightsabers all the time and then are having to go and remake a new one, get another kyber crystal, you know, build their lightsaber. And so that you get all these different lightsabers that different uh, people are carrying. But it seems as though the, the legend of the darksaber is... This is the yeah. one. That's Highlander
2: that, rule. That can yeah. be one. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, this is the single one that's been uh, going for, I don't know, thousands of years. Thousands. I, it's, thousands it's a visla right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, okay.
2: But you you might be onto something, actually, because a lot of what we've talked about with this show is how we feel like with Gogu and Din, it's this idea of, like... The Jedi and the Mandalorian coming together and these two schools of thought. Maybe because Bo's always kind of been a rebel, maybe we will see her go on a journey to rebuild the Darksaber. I think that would be. And create cool. a I new version or a new yeah. iteration. I think so.
3: I think so. Just because it's cool. Yeah. I think it's, it's cool. cool and how? I think I think I think they didn't do anything to in breaking it, they didn't do anything to me that didn't feel like, oh, it can be repaired yeah. and it still has meaning.
2: And, the, you know, you still have, like, the handle. Yeah. So you got something to go on from the yeah. original.
1: So the Darksaber is gone. Bo's helmetless. Uh, Mothginine punches her across the room. Meanwhile, Axe. Wolves is radioing in and he's like, guys, I'm about to 9-11 the base. Okay, I'm coming in. I'm coming in hot. There's flames coming from this capital ship. I'm aiming it straight at the base. So now there's a clock ticking on this little fight here.
2: Also, can I ask you, is that the ship that at least 25,000 people spent Painting. A ton of paint on painting, <laughs> painting that billion, bloody five hundred million mythosaur. gallons of paint. Isn't that it? I mean, just destroyed it. Oh, yeah. it. Do not tell anyone who's fa- who three <laughs> generations of their family spent painting that. I
1: think yeah, it's a, it
3: took ah. it took thirty years to paint that. Literally, Literally. It, it also makes it impossible to use that ship covertly. <laughs> yes,
2: you always know who's coming.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you like, all, yeah. Oh, that's even, an
3: imperial ship. You can't sneak in anywhere. It's like, oh, it's the Imperial. Oh, wait, no, it's the Mandalorian. No, it's the Mandalorians. Look <laughs> at the big. Somebody had about, like
2: force sensitivity that was letting them know the future, and they were like, Oh, this ship's only gonna last like two weeks after we finish painting it, so let's just go <laughs> ham.
1: Uh Samov so Gideon said, after crushing the dark says, Mandalorians are weak uh, once they lose their trinkets. And Bo says, No, 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 Mandalorians are stronger together, and here comes Din and Grogu to help out. But, I mean, I gotta say it again. Even they, all together, are really struggling to handle Gideon, who is, like, throwing them around, eating blaster shots to the face. It, uh, Grogu is, like, pushing him with the force. He's still hanging on. It's very, very Brogu tough. Grogu
2: needed to be a little bit more rough here with his forces. Ah, That's my feeling.
1: It is only uh, the devastating impact of the capital ship, followed by what could only, what I only imagine is a, massive nuclear explosion that finally takes down Moff Gideon. But you wonder, what about our heroes? What happened to them? Well, and in it, what can only be described as a impressive... He was saving it for this. ...force display. Grogu has kept them safe inside this force bubble as the nuclear fires swirl all around them. The good guys win. Jason, you were saying.
3: Oh, no. I was just saying, it, 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 I feel like they are... Powering and depowering Grogu yeah. throughout the series. <laughs> Very much. You know, in the sense that, like, in season one, he can literally freeze a mudhorn in midair that is fully charging forward. Yeah. And here he can't seem to knock Moth Gideon off, off, a the, off a ledge. You know what I mean? And that's that's a bit of... It's, there's a, a bit of a confusion for me there mm-hmm. as to how strong is he and when does he decide... To exhibit it, and obviously, this—you're yeah. right—it takes a profound amount of force to hold them s- safe in a bubble while the fire rages around them. But you know that I—I I was also like, "This is a wild. This is wild. What's happening?" Let
1: me give a. Let me uh, proffer a theory here. We, uh, of course, we just mentioned how instinctively Grogu was force choking folks, and his uh, pushes certainly are, are quite powerful, but certainly not powerful enough to move Moff Gideon. What if? What if Luke's whole thing was like, okay, you know, light side of the force? It's defensive mainly. Yes. So when
2: he's strongest, when
1: he is defending the people, because that's loves. what he's been
2: trained as. I, I just want to say, mm-hmm. this sums up a problem for me. I, look, I have. Just wanna say I have a rebellion tattoo. I love Jedi. I grew up in Star Wars, but I have issues with the Jedi culture, right? Like and the way that they like train children for war, et cetera. But like this to me is a problem. You spend two years with one of the most famous Jedi in the world, and he basically depowers you because like of the right way to use the force. This is why I know it's not canon, but Grey Jedi, that space where you can play with both sides, I think is so powerful. I think that you are probably right. And that Luke to- taught Grogu to harness it for defensiveness, but I feel like protecting his dad, he still has that love for him and that power. I feel like I was expecting to see him do more, but I love to see him do a little Sue storm. It was
1: it was very very cool. Uh, you know, Kane and Jarrus could never, <laughs> and also. Sorry. RIP. RIP. RIP I don't know why I said that. I'm R. so R. sorry to it, actually. R. You're R. R. P. R. P. I apologize. You're like, How, <laughs> how I dare you? I actually, how dare you? It felt bad as it came out of my mouth. How dare
3: you malign Caleb Whew. Doom? I
1: know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But I will say one thing, like <laughs> that the bubble, like he brings it down after 30 seconds. There's no way that you would could bring it down. After it would, you'd probably be in there for like thirty minutes, right? at, least, at least. At least, way more, Just way the more.
2: Oxygen in the air would be burning them up. The radioactive like, debris, like yeah. everything. I did. I did love one of my favorite moments, like visually. It's such a good, funny little gag. Is like. Bo trying to protect them with her tiny shield. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. she's like, oh, and like good for you, Bo, but it was never going to happen. No, definitely not safe. Unless Grogu's, like, force filtering the air. I mean, it was definitely, like, no, 30 seconds. A, and He was like, oh, a, we
4: can a, step on out. A, a light
3: cruiser Literally crashes into... 10 feet this away is... from them. <laughs> this, yes, they can see it. See, that's the thing is, if they were in Moff Gideon's office, like, tucked into, <laughs> tucked into the mountain somewhere, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. be like, okay, the blast... They could shield themselves from the blast. But they are <laughs> watching the, the light cruiser descend in front of them. They could it, touch it, it it makes, it's glass. Yeah, it makes no sense that they are left not just alive, but fully unscathed.
4: Uh,
1: later on, the armorer blesses in a new generation over at the uh, Living Waters. That includes our friend Grogu.
2: Was that Ragnar who she was blessed Yes, it was. I, it it was. definitely that was... is, right? Yeah.
3: It was. And she wasn't I, like, I, sorry I,
2: about it, your dad. <laughs> never.
3: Never. It, yeah, it's it's Ragnar, but I know both because of his helmet and also because uh, I watch everything with closed captioning on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and,
2: perfection. And when he smart, spoke, smart.
3: when he spoke, he was credited. Because
2: I was like, oh, I see. So they're like, well, your dad's dead, so now you're going to get adopted into the Mandalorian. This is the way. you, you... Also, sorry, I just think need... this is actually... From last episode, but I do need to say this because it relates to them adopting babies. What happened to the bird dragons? Because they ate them. They did eat them, they right? Ate them. One they of ate our them. amazing Discord users found a screen grab of them roasting the baby bird dragon things that Bo saved when she was like, "I've got foundlings." So I guess if you're tasty and yeah. you're not a humanoid, that night they that everybody, that
1: night that all the tribes got together and they were like, "Hey, we got,
3: we'll, we'll make you dinner," it was the, they ate the baby. I, it's birds. got it's it, it's either <laughs> got to be that that would be incredible. That would be so incredible. You know what would be incredible is if next season cuz we all were like, you know what? Guess what? These mandalorians are going to be riding yeah, these birds. Yeah, when the birds that. are going to be we, wearing cool helmets. Yeah. <laughs> these these are going to be their mounts for when they re- retake Mandalore and blah blah blah. And wouldn't it be funny if they did do that next season? I hope so. But there was only two. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's just saying one. They <laughs> They just ate the one. I
2: guess Ragnar should be feeling lucky that they didn't just eat him when when Baz died.
1: <laughs> so Din Din steps up and is like, Okay, uh, my um my foundling uh, Grogu, I think, you know, we he beat Moff Gideon, saved Bo and and, Put him in and the my lives. Yeah, let's let's make him a true apprentice now and baptize him in. And then in what can only be described as an ableist policy, Very bad. The armor is like, well, he can't speak. So Sorry can't about say they cyber. I, although I will say, it from a, a positive point of view, it is also clear to me from the Armorer's voice performance, an excellent voice performance, uh, that what the Armorer was trying to do was to get Din to formally adopt Grogu. And
4: it
2: is also, I think, like a, a matter of consent. She doesn't want someone to just be bought into the Mandalorian faction who can't agree that he wants to be there. Though it's very clear that... Grogu is. I mean, his, the
1: way his face falls when it's like, "Sorry, you can't speak." He's just like, oh. "I was like, come on, I look I, at him." I, I was like, you. "I was like,
2: is he gonna like do the Creed and Yoda speak? Like, is he gonna do it? But are we gonna see the baby talk?" I, I could, I didn't Boy. see where it was going.
3: Rosie, I thought that I had because right. they at one I, point they at one point close up on him yeah. right when he it's right when it's right when normally he would talk the way this is because they're saying he can't talk yeah. he can't talk he can't talk and then they close up on him and I was like Are, is he about to talk about <laughs> to- if he talks I'm gonna fucking flip out yeah, if he says I the, cannot,
2: the if, way this yeah, is yeah if he
1: says
3: that. Oh. oh my god I I'm 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 curious what you what you both think. I do not want Grogu to talk, period.
1: I think that I, right now, no. And I think, obviously, you know, like, Yoda was 900. So we've exactly. got th- yeah,
3: potentially and, 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 50
1: years before. This. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, and,
3: and Grogu is what now? What they say? He was 50 when like they got him? So now yeah. he's 52, yeah. 53 years old? Yeah. Okay. So you think in the last three years he's advanced exactly that much? No for, and he's for so a cute. being that will live to, to talk. 900. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's the
2: baby. We love the baby. Also as well, that can be something they can work up to when he inevitably shows up in the Rey movie as one of her Jedi Great. students. Like somewhere down the line we, we may be see clear, him talk. To be
3: clear, I have no problem I, I with have that. No but right problem. You now, know what I mean? I'm fine Let's with it. Let's keep
2: it. I'm fine with it. Keep it the baby. It.
1: So, uh, uh, Grogu is rechristened Din Grogu, a Mandal- an official Mandalorian apprentice, now Din and Din Jr., as part of the apprenticeship, have to travel the spaceways together as uh, as Dinjarin shows his uh, newly adopted son, uh, Din Jr., the ways <laughs> of the Mandalorian so that he can become a full-fledged Mandalorian. Uh, and as this is happening, the Mythosaur, which is slumbering below the waters, opens its eyes. Uh, there's this wonderfully emotional moment where Bo relights the Great Forge and the Mandalorians are back. Great big cheer led by Axe Wolves. We sorry <laughs> we ever doubted sorry, you. Sorry,
2: Okay, so— <laughs> So when the baby, just before the mythosaur wakes up, the baby looks into the water and almost, like, touches it with the force. Like, he knows the mythosaur's down I there.
3: There's a connection right. between the two, Yeah, he can two, sense the, right? he can sense right. the mythosaur he can down there. And I think it. that's why the mythosaur opens its eyes, as if it is, right? I don't know, he hearing or sensing baby, or something. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I, so should we presume, although I guess Grogu has had Um, has had contact with other animals, some sort of like, so that maybe he Mm -hmm. has a, the force allows him to connect with this mythosaur. And Mm -hmm. I did really think think we would get more mythosaur.
2: I was surprised. I thought that the Mandalorians being back on Mandalore, I thought we would see Bo on the mythosaur with the dark saber fighting Gideon.
3: I feel like the same. And I feel like all of the, uh, you know, all of the chatter around the watching of the show successfully um, wrote a shadow version of the season
4: <laughs> I know, that, I've been that, I've been that I'm there. very Didn't
3: intrigued we? by, where the Armorer yeah. or Axe Wolves are, are duplicitous double agents, where the mythosaur <laughs> comes out and, and Bo-Katan gets to ride it, like all this stuff that I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Time to team up for our fanfic.
1: I will also <laughs> say that it's the, you know, a lot probably happens off screen, obviously, but it does also seem as if, either A, Bo has not really shared the Mythosaur news, or B, the Mandalorians are just kind of underwhelmed about the Mythosaurs
2: back? Like, can we talk about this? uh, Yeah, uh, my gut says, I I believe the shadow version of this was at least probably kicked about, at least the bit about the Mythosaur being in the final episode. Now we know that there's going to be a movie. I think you saved that for the movie. Who's going to ride the Mythosaur? Is it going to be Bo? I think Grogu is rising up the Mythosaur riding ranks now that he's yeah, had that kind I, of connection. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you also have
3: to figure, the Mythosaur has it, it done right. That's a very expensive VFX.
2: Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very And expensive. it's like something that canon-wise and the amount of time that we've heard about it but never seen it, to really have the reveal is huge. And even though a finale of a big TV show like this would be a great place, I can understand why they'd want people to see that on IMAX in the most expensive yeah. and way And it's possible. honestly maybe... probably
3: why we didn't see those birds again is because they are com- <laughs> yeah. they're yes. completely digital. And if they're not doing yeah. something integral to That's what's right. going on, then why are we going to waste why burn the money on them?
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you could potentially take some of the uh, Scott Lang giant men oh uh, assets from, <laughs> uh, you know, fr- no oh from boy. D- from okay, Quantum so
4: okay, from so, Quantumania no.
1: or uh, from the uh, from Endgame. Okay, so
2: I was going to say and reskin it from isasaur Yeah, I think that'll be really easy. That's right. <laughs> no, no harm. Send it. I some have no week, idea. How that a week works. before. Okay, do. so what about this then? If we're talking about reusing assets, will the asset of Grogu saving them in Moff Gideon's office is that gonna be used when we first see Sue Storm it will just be the
3: same (laughs) bubble oh wow that's (laughs) That's like
2: the trade back
3: Uh, that'd be great yeah let's do it
2: they are definitely they're definitely testing out how to do the fantastic four powers in these these movies and shows I will say I did sense small
1: moments where you uh, you could kind of put your finger on a moment where it's like okay here's where they tried to save money you know like when Bo is leading the charge she ignites the dark saber has it out they only showed like her hand and about an inch of the handle, Like <laughs> Tintin, which is a weird shot, yeah. right? To not show the whole sword. It's Co- like an
2: Arthurian <laughs> yeah. style yeah. moment it with Excalibur. Like, hey, save yeah. us five grand and don't show the whole
4: yeah.
1: sword.
2: Yeah, get, get to go home on time today. Just to just do a little bit of the sword.
1: So then Din and Grogu go and visit our good friend Captain Teva. Love the, to see him. Love to see him at the tropical New Republic But boy, did base, I want New- Zeb
3: there. I oh, did it when
1: I'm like you already Zeb made Zeb stepped down. You, where is <laughs> he? When, all Zeb I wanted,
3: down. I like screamed, "Please let Zeb meet Grogu." I, all that. I want. Oh my gosh. All I wanted was for Zeb to meet Grogu in the bar. Please,
2: just give him a little like nod while the baby's like eating his yep. snacks or something.
1: So, uh, the New Republic is of course stoked that the Mandos took out Gideon and for free, like it cost them zero credits for this. Uh, and then Mando pitches a captain on a team Don't up. even
2: get me started.
1: He basically says, listen, Grogu and I will hunt Imperials, right? Off the books, okay? Uh, this is not a New Republic operation. It's just you and me talking. You slide us some credits under the table. We'll take we'll care do of the it. W- okay? We'll do the wet
5: work.
2: <laughs>
1: we'll do the, me say, and my child will be
3: assassins for my hire. Baby, let's
2: and I just, <laughs> just want to say, he pitches it as he says to him, I've got a baby now. I've got a son. I've got to do something. He's like, I can't be doing that dangerous stuff. I'm just going to become an assassin for Imperial imperial Remnants and bring my child? That is more dangerous
1: than being a bounty hunter. Now, I, I wonder if what he was saying was, I can't be doing this immoral bounty hunting, anymore, where it's just like, I'm bringing everybody in. I'm bringing everybody in droids. Yeah, I they think... Have different
2: kind of aliens. They, he wants they the just closeness like, and the, of the legitimacy of
1: yeah, the like people Republic. that just, like, didn't pay their parking tickets. Like, now, what if I just go after people who were probably
3: bad? Yeah. I mean, we're talking <laughs> about Imperials. Yeah. No, I think that's what he... Because doesn't he say something like, I wanted to... I can't go back to being just a bounty hunter. It needs, it right. needs mm-hmm. to matter or something like that. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So uh, and he says, "Listen, you can you can in terms of payment, which you are going to pay us because we are going to work for this. But uh, you can give us an advance, and that advance is that IG head that uh, my son just spotted above your dun, bar, dun, which dun. is, by the way, quite horrific. Yes, to just have a droid anyway." Uh, it, and then closing the loop on the memory chip plotline that we, we thought, thought was forgotten. over. Let's give an apology to Din, because we really thought he we got distracted. Thought, we thought that they just had forgotten about the memory chip, but it's back. Uh, back on Navarro, Grief, our good friend, High Magistrate Grief Karga, gives Mando the keys and the deed to his beautiful new piece of land. And by the way, with all the Mandalorians back on Mandalore, he now
3: has like this huge... That's what I was wondering. Did he get the whole land that uh, Greece? Right? Because that was such a weird moment in the in the season where they 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 rescue or they save Navarro. The Mandalorians intercede yeah. in Navarro with the pirates. They are awarded this enormous piece of land and they immediately depart. <laughs> they're given. <laughs> they're they're like given a, real yeah, estate now. Nah. They're given a home area to make their to make themselves at home, and they immediately go to retake Mandalore. Totally fine. But when they came back, did <laughs> is that where Dinjarin is, or did did he did it was was grief cargo like I'm so think, sorry, man. After uh, you guys left, I gave that away. So I've just I've, yeah, it's, it's, I've yes. just got this that little cabin. Deal,
1: right, that was a deal for the existing Mandalorian people. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I'm just, now, Like, I, like I, I'm sure you understand. Like I have to. Take, like a thousand square feet. I to have you. to take some of that back. But no, I think that is all.
2: I think that was
3: all of their land.
2: I think it was. It does look, like, very barren. In not a bad way, but, like, they're chill. They're sparse. Well, it's It's very much like the end of a
3: Western. You know, like, it's, like, very Very much, much like, out on the plains. He kicks up his feet. He's got—there's even, like, there's even, like, uh, you know, posts in front of the house that you would attach your horse. uh, uh, um, And
2: they do the the little fade The
3: circle
1: circle. fade. So then uh, Mando says— well, Grief, guess what? I have, a, I have a gift for you. Check this out. And next thing we know, we see a refurbished IG-11. First we see uh, the Anzellans.
3: First we see the Anzellans oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Who, yeah, who worked very yeah. hard on this, right? And here we see uh, a refurbished IG-11 walking up saying, good evening, citizens. I am IG-11, your new marshal. I am here to serve and protect the citizenry. And the crowd goes, wow, Grief Karga is Woo! cheering. And I just have to say what's, we've talked a lot about the kind of questionable politics around droid here in this world It's this is very funny to me that everybody is like we've lobotomized another <laughs> droid know! folks he will only follow orders this droid no longer has any free will
2: and everybody's just like yes it's a, it's a, yes it's especially fucked up because like din literally was like that's my friend that's the only droid i trust i need his memory chip back because i trust him and then he was like Nah, I don't need him, actually. You guys have him. He can just be your, like, police servant. And he very specifically says, and I
1: forget what the exact wording is, but IG-11 basically says, listen, I will just follow orders now. Yeah. I am not going to go and do weird things and bounty hunt on the side. I am just strictly the marshal, and it's great to see you. Uh, Big cheers from everybody. And listen, I guess we until more information emerges and we know exactly what was done with IG-11— uh, we can't really say, but it did
3: feel a little weird. <laughs> you
2: know to what? They brought him back from the dead. Well,
3: it's not. A- <laughs> he could have been dead. What? Right. That's right. Yeah.
2: What,
1: what I couldn't yeah, figure out true.
3: was, though, like, I didn't need IG-11 to come back. Like, I wasn't. <laughs> frankly, I, I to me, I that moment where IG-11 sacrifices himself so that they can escape oh, the lava yeah. flow, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I loved and was such an incredibly moving... It's so
2: impactful, So the yeah. idea
3: that, oh, now we have to bring him back, but not bring him back as the character we loved, but bring him back as a mind-wiped, like, automaton. I was like, yeah. I don't quite get... I, I feel like this, because... also because it's the last beat, I feel mm-hmm. like we're supposed to be like, yeah, my guy, you know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. well, why exactly? It is
2: It is especially weird, because Dinny even says... To Teva, he says, you know, oh, that reminds him of someone he used to know. Yeah. So he even has that emotional thing, but then they just turn him into, like... uh, It's like, also, wouldn't you need a certain amount of sentience to be a marshal? That is not like a... I mean, listen, we just watched...
1: Two episodes of Grogu riding around in the carcass of Din's professed friend. Yes. I'm
2: telling you, in his corpse, <laughs> in his corpse, we're doing comedy beats with a soundboard. Yes, yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. yes, no, yes no, 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 no. No.
3: How great would it have been if, like, IG Eleven is there, like, I'm your new marshal. Welcome, thank you, people, or whatever. And Grogu's just clawing at his chest, trying to get in.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, let, let get, yeah, let me Let me in. He just pops out of the chest, <laughs> and he's like, yes, yes, yes. And it's Grogu. <laughs> I hope
1: they do get him a new little mech because he. He really seemed to enjoy it and he took to Love it that, Matt. he was very good at piling in it and then we get to the end where you know obviously a very a wonderful western beat there's so much classic star wars stuff here with you know all the kind of thematic beats and then here leaning into the Western themes that have always been there present at Star Wars. We see the little home on the range. Jason mentioned the post where you would tie up your horse. Your blurg. Uh, tie up your blurg. Gro- yeah, You're tie up your tie blurg.
2: Kroger's playing with a little frog in the creek. Soon to be eaten, definitely. Sure. Uh,
1: and then uh, Din, you know, kicking up his feet, taking a much-needed rest and relaxation. And it felt like a very... A hard and definitive end. I'm telling yes. you, that's how it felt to me. This chapter Correct. of the Mandalorian. Who knows what comes after?
3: Well, I think. Uh, what do you
1: think comes? I, I, yeah. yeah what, do think? what do you think? What Well, comes I
3: think at? you know. I think that you know this season, and I, you know, frankly, and I love. I, again, I love this show. I've I've loved spending all of this time both. Watching these episodes, waiting mm-hmm. until midnight every Tuesday night, and <laughs> and just crushing yeah. these episodes and being really engaged and delighted by so much of what they've done, confused and confounded at some of the other things <laughs> that were done. Yes. But I definitely yes. think that a lot of the kind of unevenness or or any of the kind of stuff that people have been confused by or 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 weren't quite tracking were part and parcel of a much different version of the show this season. This season was definitively a heavily serialized narrative. One, yeah. st- one thrust of a story with lots of characters. And mm-hmm. I feel like at the end, when when the armorer is like, now you have to... The armorer basically says, now, next season, you can go on your adventures. And, exactly. And that's what you it is. You can have
2: an, a villain of the week.
3: And I don't think... So I think the setup is, now they're gonna... Now they're looking out. They don't... We're not gonna be like mm-hmm. with them on Mandalore. We're not gonna be inside of that story anymore. I think that chapter right. is done. And the next chapter yes. will open up, probably, as it relates to them, my guess is Din and Grogu will be enlisted in the Ahsoka live-action Rebels crew um, Thrawn narrative, right? They're going to somehow be sucked into that story that is the result of whatever happens in Ahsoka. That's my hope, Mm -hmm. at least.
2: I think that's true. So do you think, and this is for both of you, Like, do you think we'll ever get another season called... The Mandalorian, because that's not, that's what I'm not sure of. I think we'll get Ahsoka. I think this will tie into it. But you know, is it going to be like Din and the Baby? Is it going to be like Grogu? Is it? I think just oh, for marketing. This feels like the end. I think, I think just, just for, for cra-
3: we'll on a craven is. business level, The Mandalorian uh-huh. is too big a property. Like yeah. comparatively, The Mandalorian is enormous and their flagship and is huge for them yeah. versus a show that I know we all just were obsessed with andor my understanding is underperformed for them. So so I think they will keep putting, they'll make a Mandalorian show, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a season like this season at some point where a Mandalorian season is where din and and Grogu are side characters again yes. or are yeah. Supo- yeah, yeah, support yeah, and you see them you know? uh,
2: rebuilding of Mandalore. yeah,
3: or, or you see them inside of the rebels crew doing yeah. something that they're, you know, they've signed on to do with them, you know they they could be they could both be. Which I like, and this makes it a very creatively interesting show, which is, you can tell individual stories, you can tell Mm -hmm. uh, Case of the Week, Monster of the Week stories for a while, but then you can also make ensemble-based shows in which Din and Grogu are just part of a larger ensemble, and that I love.
2: Yeah.
1: Do we later find out that Din and Grogu were around for the big battles in the most recent Star Wars trilogy? How do they... How do they, in your mind, theorizing now, how do they explain away the lack of uh, attendance in the big big fight scenes from Grogu and Din?
2: I wonder if they build in some kind of story. Because I, I, I ask because I I was
1: a little bit worried they were going to kill Din at the end of the like, Oh, me I, too. Was, no, no, oh, wow. I, I had the fear. Yeah. I was non-zero worried. Like
2: I, I had the fear. Just also as well, like, Pedro's busy. The, con- yeah. Yeah, the well, comments about
1: the comments from the showrunners about this is actually an execs about how well this is. The Mandalorian refers to Bo now the yeah, Mandalor oh. of the is not just it. so. Yeah. I was kind of worried. It's also notable we're, we're that gonna see Dan Pedro's
3: Dan in no live action. He's not. Yeah, he, no, the helmet doesn't come off at all. Exactly. Um, and that's yeah. that's a first. This season is the first time we right because yeah. yes. at the end yeah, of yeah, both seasons deal. we see his face. So.
2: I think there was a lot of people even wondering what that meant on a business level of being a leading person who doesn't have your face shown at any point in any episode of a season. So it's definitely interesting stuff. I I think that they will probably do a story beat that says Grogu is the future of the Force. Grogu is the most powerful Omega-level mutant. And we have to hide him from Mm. Palpatine, from everyone else. And then him and Din will be hidden somewhere off on a moon or something. And that's why they weren't there. But also, you could imagine him being kind of retroactively. It's like, oh, he was behind a tree, like doing some force stuff that well, helped someone I along. I mean, you also,
3: it also opens up the question to where, why isn't Ezra part of yes. part Ray's
2: big, big, big Why question. isn't Ezra part
3: of Ray's story? He would truly be like a senior force user, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. My hope is that, there are very cool, very creative ways to tell those stories. Wouldn't it be... What if the reason that they're not is because Ezra and Grogu are... What if, what if Grogu becomes like Ezra's Padawan and they go on an exactly, adventure?
2: Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know? Yeah. No, I love that idea. And And now that we're in this outer rim space and this wider ideas of the galaxy, there are multiple different conflicts happening. It's not just what we know from the main timeline and the main tri- the main trilogies. So I think there's definitely a space. And we've been saying it's one of the best things. We all love the animated stuff. They're starting to do with these live action shows what they've always done with animation, which is expand on and add context to these moments that make you say, oh, why did that happen? Or why wasn't so-and-so there? So I think in Ahsoka especially and probably further Seasons of the Mandalorian, we will get those answers. Where was Ezra? Where was Grogu? How do these things tie in? And why weren't they a part of these stories that came after?
3: Wow. Huge, huge.
2: Any final thoughts?
3: My final thoughts are, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought, you know, again... This is one of my favorite shows. I would I would cut off my arm to be on this show. I would <laughs> I would I I, I want I would love to be Star Wars is my stories, you know? Like this yeah. is I am I'm, I'm 50. I grew up on these movies from the time they were coming out in theaters, the original trilogy. These are my movies. These are my stories. This is what I'm This is a world that I love being inside of. It
1: feels like it's it'll happen. Right? Yeah, right. I was going to say it I feels like so. I mean, it's inevitable. I mean the amount of Improv world people that have already appeared oh, yeah. on the show is quite notable.
4: It
2: is. Uh,
4: oh, yeah. Oh, no. Crazy. It's, it's a whole thing. Bobby
1: Moynihan.
2: What's like, your, Kevin what's your dream character? Kevin Dorr if, if they came to you and said, who do you want to play? And you get to pick oh, the wow. vibe. Like, what, you know what would I, that be? I, you know
3: what I would love to play is there are characters that I would love to play. But I would love to play someone in, like the acolyte or someone yes I yes. would like to play someone in the high republic era or someone in this mm-hmm. James Mangold movie if that ever gets made I'd yeah, love to Bible. play a character who's an unknown that I mm-hmm. that is you know that is able to be defined by the performance rather than wouldn't it be cool to be Quinlan Voss oh my <laughs> god wouldn't it be cool to do dark disciple and be Quinlan yes. Voss you know, no it would be, but you know like that I don't think that's ever going to happen. To
2: originate happen. a character in that world.
3: These are my stories. This is what I love. So any time that I can spend with characters in this world and then also consuming all the podcasts and and all mm-hmm. the stuff just during the time that this season has aired, I've been so excited and having so much fun inside Star Wars. I've rewatched Rebels again. And I've rewatched the last three seasons of Clone Wars again, just because (laughs) I was having so much fun being inside Star Wars stories. So Mm -hmm. I had a great time, even though I did genuinely feel like the season was a little uneven for me.
1: Yeah, I uh, my thought would be I understand the. And somewhat share the criticism of being uneven. I, 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 considering the ambitions that they had, which was to kind of like tie up these final Moff Gideon threads and tie down the uh, the you know retaking of Mandalore kind of plot lines. I, I guess there was almost no way to do it without it feeling like a lumpier show. And it certainly feels like there's there's also a in true DeFaloni style a kind of larger mission to uh, tie into the most recent trilogy and shore up some of the, I you know, for lack of a better word, weak spots in the trilogy. Um, That's it. I think my, my main note is that, like, I am shocked still at the power that this puppet has uh-huh. over me. Every time... They do a a one shot a wonder of this of this puppet's face every time it makes some sort of cooing sound or or presses the button to say yes or no it is I could watch that for two hours mm-hmm. I could just watch it cooing and making facial making different faces it's to the emotion that this <laughs> fucking puppet carries, (laughs) it is
3: shocking. And the emotion that it can elicit. You know, it, yes, it, exactly, it is—it's exactly. incredible at conveying. It, it's an—it's an incredible job they do, emoting. It's an—it's an incredible performance, literally. Yes, from the from the puppet and the the VFX operators, and it's incredible. But then it makes me like when Grogu is you know Sue storming everybody yeah. in the yeah. in the Invisible Shield. I'm like crying. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, saving amazing. his mom and dad. He, I'm mm-hmm. crying. You know, it's yeah. cr- it's very emotional. Um, it's it great. really
2: is. I'm grateful every day that Werner Herzog called them cowards and told them to <laughs> use the puppet. Because truly, we need more puppets in our life. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think you covered it up very well. I, I will say I am a huge fan of the Saturday morning adventure aspect of sci-fi, of mm-hmm. Star Wars, of the things that shaped George Lucas in making this the trilogy originally. So for me, I actually enjoy... The wild romp adventures and the side quests and the Plaza Fifteens. So it, it's easier for me to feel that I can I can sand out the unevenness because I like when it goes back to that.
1: Oh, uh, one more question: Are we gonna Are we going to tie up the G sixty eight loose ends and the amnesty program? The very clear. Uh, you know, Neo-Imperial plot that is uh, slowly unfurling there on Coruscant, which is probably the project to uh, create Snoke and bring back Palpatine like further down the road.
3: Yeah, right? well, do you think that, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that, do you think Moff Gideon is dead? Dead, dead? I,
2: yeah. I, I wasn't sure. I thought, you know, we know nobody really dies. We saw Darth yeah. Maul die. We yeah. saw what happened there, Spider, you know, but, I actually do think the explosion was big enough that he is, I'm like 90% on the dead side, 10% on a like general grievous situation. Oh, I feel
3: interesting. like that's the only way okay. he could yeah. come well, back. Well, because like we've invested so much time in his spy network, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's his spies that got to, that are inside the New Republic. It's his spies that get to uh, Pershing in the Mind Flayer. Like all of that stuff, if he's gone, does that spy network just go to someone else? Or yeah, to your point, that's will a- we never see them again? Because- I- we don't have to.
2: I think that G. I think G-68, Elia, I think she is actually going to be like a very big connecting thread between all of these stories as basically the representative of the Imperial remnants. So if that spy network goes to anyone, I think it's her. And I yeah. think she keeps it alive. I love that performance that Katie O'Brien did. She's so nefarious and so villainous. I would and also I think-
3: love to see her as a Thrawn spy. I yes. Would, I would exactly. love it if she if Thrawn saw in her this is mm-hmm. this is someone I can use to my advantage. That would be so you cool. You know, and that would be great. If if basically Thrawn enters and just takes over the vacuum left by Moff Gideon's death, that's interesting to me. That you makes know? a
2: lot of sense. And also Moff was outspokenly against Thrawn and constantly Presented himself as a better option or suggested there were better options. And Thorne is a very egotistical person. So I think that taking over from Moff Gideon, who didn't survive. And also, if we look at the Maul situation, that could also set up something very cool if 10 years down the line, they actually wanted to bring Moff back. And it's him and Thorne in that kind of competition. I will say that I
1: believe that Moff Gideon is dead, dead only because it was... You know, a feat of the force, right? That Palpatine was able to take his consciousness at the moment of death and move it to, <laughs> you know, like beam it over Wi-Fi to his to his clone. And I would assume that that is not something that no. Gideon has either the the wherewithal to do through the force. Certainly, it was had not completed his project of
2: and it seemed like those clones were maybe his Gideon. only clones, right?
1: His only force experiments, mm-hmm. anyway, and that. sir it, it, in terms of the technology required to move his mind at the moment of death to a place, I would assume that he is not capable of doing that. That's not something that he would be able to do. So I think that he is for real dead. And I agree with you. I think that the spy network, I, I wonder if Thrawn takes it over at mm-hmm. a certain point and that becomes the the Snoke project. Um, well, it was wonderful to talk Star Wars. Yeah, this him. was so loved fun. Loved Loved every lo- minute. Lo- lo- loved it. Up next, Comics
5: Corner. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them.
1: The Hive Mind, where we explore a topic in more detail with the help of expert guests. This week, Jason Manzukas tells us what he's reading. So I will just say off rip that I am behind. But Jason, you're such a well-read person. What are you reading right now?
3: You know, I, you know, I'm also behind. I, I will admit, uh, and it's it is. You know, as a comics reader, I'm sure you, uh, comics readers, you both understand that feeling when you look over where your comics are and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly somehow there's piles of stuff. Oh, yes. And you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, God, what is this? Um, And it's interesting what I choose to read, what I choose to keep going with. And a lot of that tells you, like, what I'm loving, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I will still, I've been a... A, a, a completest on hellboy stories yes. from from the beginning basically and so those are books i always read partially because they usually come in digestible stories mm-hmm. single one shots two shots or four four issues max tell a story in hellboy and so i keep up with that i love that the um what was the cliff chang catwoman book that came out um Oh, oh yeah, that is was it really called, cool. Is it called Lonely City? No, it's called What's...
1: City Something. Uh, yeah, Cat, but, yeah, Lonely yeah, Lonely City. Lonely
3: City. Right. I thought that was fantastic. I love Cliff Chang, so I thought that was the just art fantastic. Was so beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I'm another one of the artists that I really like. Declan Shalvey has a new book oh, yeah. out right now called, I think, Old Man. The old, the old man. Maybe it's called. Uh, I can't remember. There's only been a couple of issues so far, and I, I read that, which I really liked. Rosie, what about you? What are you reading right
2: now? Okay, so yesterday was... I'm also behind on the the weekly single issues. It's hard to keep up. There's so many great comics. But yesterday, it was the 85th anniversary of Superman's first appearance and Lois Lane's first appearance. And DC released this absolutely gorgeous Lois Lane graphic novel called Girl Taking Over. It's by Ariel Jovelanos right. and Sarah Kuhn, who is so such a brilliant writer. And together, it's just unbelievable. It's got gorgeous colors by Olivia Pacini. It's got uh, Melanie Ujimori did The Letters, which are super dynamic. And it's basically Lois Lane, and she's Asian American, and she's going to National City to start her dream internship. And it is this coming-of-age journalism kind of mystery, but it's so vibrant and so colorful. I love those DCYA graphic novels, and this is one of the best that they've done. And it's a great thing to read because it's 85 years of Lois Lane. So that's been a big one for me. As always, reading a lot of Uh, reading a lot of manga. I recently read, sticking on the DC, I recently reread Rachel Pollock's Doom Patrol run. We sadly lost Rachel recently, a really trailblazing trans creator. Her Doom Patrol run that she took over from Grant Morrison is so good. And they recently collected it for the first time. Oh, it's unbelievable. If you love Doom Patrol, if you love Grant Morrison, you got to read it. She takes it over with Richard Case, the series penciler, Stan Walks on there. And it is just so subversive and a truly great follow-up to Morrison's Doom Patrol, which is one of the greatest of all time.
3: Ooh, that's great because, like, that's a... Doom Patrol, a book I have almost zero knowledge of. D like yeah. DC in general, Same. I'm very ignorant of. It's uh, so much so that I would love if and and I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you have any recommendations, I've recently watched a ton of the My DC animated, a ton of the DC animated movies, right? Yeah, which which I'd only seen a couple here and there, and I just watched a whole bunch of them that were all about John Constantine. Oh. Well, another character that I'm woefully ignorant of. So if you have like runs or, you know, go is, this writer or this, this era or whatever, I want to hear it.
2: You're going to be very happy because Constantine was created by Alan Moore. So you're in a good place. Yeah. Swamp oh, thing, yeah. The brilliant space. I would say the old school Vertigo Hellblazer which is what his story was, is one of the best places to go. They actually recently did a really incredible John Constantine YA graphic novel in that same series, which is a really good jumping on point that I adored. And it has really, really beautiful art. There's so many good ones. I love Mike Carey. He did a great Hellblazer run. So you're really blessed because John Constantine is basically all good stuff. It's just such a great character. I love him so much. Also, I would say, if you want to watch more John Constantine, uh, they did a hit the version that Matt Ryan did in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. You can just skip to when he joins. It's like, I love all of Legends, but it's so good.
3: And oh, Matt, oh, Matt okay. is like
2: an incredible John Constantine. And he actually ended up voicing him in some of those later movies, too.
3: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I've watched none of that show. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's, very cool. It's,
2: it's a joyous queer superhero romp through space. Oh, great. Very uh, very Star Wars in that way, like Villain of the Week kind Have of. Have you guys serial. ever read
3: um, Jonna? The Chris Somney oh, book,
2: I love that book. The that arts, book is absolutely
3: fantastic. Oh. an all an incredible all ages book that I cannot recommend, especially if you have a young person in mm-hmm. your life who you want to read comics or who does read comics. Chris Somney may be one of my favorite artists right oh, now. Chris oh, is incredible so
2: of Chris. ok. Well, then I'm going to actually one of the other books I was going to recommend, which you will definitely love if you love that comic. Um, there's this great new publisher called Saturday AM that's trying to like replicate kind of the Shonen Jump like manga magazine. They have this book called Gunhild by Fred Torniger. And I love this book. It's like a girl. She's It's an all ages comic. It feels very much in that same vein. And it's about a girl who's like a 12 year old who lives in a world of Norse gods. And it's kind of like feels a bit like fantasy sports and a bit, <laughs> but it's just a really great all ages kind of romp through this fantastical world with this really dynamic beautiful art. It's Ooh, so great. it's so good. I'm I'm a huge fan. I think that they just collected it in print recently. I have
1: one uh thing to recommend even though I'm behind and this is a, an older not older, but a recent. But but it's the run is finished, and this is the Good Asian, yes.
3: which is now complete. Oh, incredible book!
2: So, uh, incredible about to be book, adapted too by James Swan's production
1: company. Um, uh, by uh, Pornsek, uh, Pishestot and Alexandra Tefengi. Uh, beautiful, gritty, pulpy art. This f- A really, really cool story about a Chinese American detective on the trail of a killer uh, during the era of the Chinese Exclusion Act. Uh, Just really, really great, a wonderful read, and it's a finished story. If you uh, want to pick something up that you can just be done with, with definitive ending, uh, it's available there in trade paperback, multiple volume trade paperback. I'll throw out another
3: recommendation because it's a mashup of two things that I really love, which is the—I'm a fan of all really was the— the uh, very into the kirkman walking dead books yeah. as they were coming out very into the the walking dead i i never really converted into a tv show watcher but i loved that comics run um and but one of my favorite uh comics writer and artists tilly walden oh, has done best. has done now a story and now a second one is coming out uh set in that world called clementine unbelievable um, uh, Tilly Walden, incredible, uh, has has put out a, a number of truly incredible, on a sunbeam, um, uh, spinning uh, graphic novels yeah. that are just one of tr- the best
2: tr- cartoonists working at the moment, without question. Are,
3: are you listening? Is another one of hers uh, that are just really fantastic.
2: Yeah, I loved Clementine. It also has a, it's got a disabled protagonist because it's Clementine from the Walking Dead <laughs> games. It's amazing. It's set in Amish country, which is something I feel like I've never really seen in comics. I loved that comic so much I actually chatted to Tilly about it at um, Polygon Was just a really great interview oh cool Tilly was recently made the comics laureate of Vermont oh wow as well oh really yeah 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 oh that's rad yeah those Clementine comics are really fucking rad and you know what a lot of fans did not approach them in a supportive way because, it, the, as we know, some top fandoms can be quite toxic. So I'd just say go out and read those Wait,
1: books. really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that is yeah. The but thing, not,
3: unfortunately. But, but Rosie's yeah. certainly not comics. Can no, you no, imagine? No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> unfortunately, that is the case. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, since we uh, spent a lot of time talking about uh, The Mandalorian in this episode, and that is, you know, uh, on some level inspired by the classic Wolf and Cub Woo! comics. You know, anytime you have an older warrior with a baby. The baby. Uh, uh, it can only be inspired by Wolf and Cub. Any particular favorite Wolf and Cub stories for either of you, Rosie?
2: Well, I would say, if you haven't read it, go and read Lone Wolf and Cub. Dark Horse has multiple collections of them. It's like one of the most influential comics ever made. It's The writer is Koike, and then the artist was Gosai Kojima. And... These are just some of the most astonishingly brilliant comics. They have played a huge influence at Frank Miller for example, no matter how you feel about him, that is someone who deeply took from those comics. I would say that's the place to go especially as we're about to watch you know Grogu and Din go on this journey, they became assassins this episode, so yeah. it's very so I would say the classic Lone Wolf and Cub there are so many collections. They're brilliant. You can probably get them from the library. It's this beautiful samurai story, one of the most famous manga of all time. Also, I'll put out there just any Wolverine story where he's with a kid. Days yeah, of Future yeah, Past. Days of Future Past. Like, I to me, Wolverine is the ultimate like good lone wolf and cub yeah, kind of and mainstream. Yeah, and
0: he really, yeah, he
3: really like as a reader at the time too. It like Wolverine really became. My, one of my favorites yeah. when he would get paired with Jubilee. Exactly. Yeah. When, you know, when they would go on an adventure together. That was, that's the the balance that you want, you know? I
2: really hope they keep that whenever they, whoever they cast as Wolverine. Same. By the way, now I'm like, are they going to cast Pedro as Wolverine? Like, is that <laughs> happening? Because this really feels like they're setting him up for it. But yeah, I hope they keep that because I think that is one of my favorite Western iterations in comics is Wolverine as the kind of... He don't, he's the cranky dad. Yeah. And, and it's like, he has to look after all these annoying mutant kids and it's like, he doesn't want to do it but he really loves to do it but he can still yeah. kill you with his adamantium claws. That's why one of my favorite recent
1: comics, Run is over now, but Wolverine and the X-Men when wolverine was basically the headmaster of the yes! school for a period of time it was great was It was great so fun it's because it was fun it was that was like prime cranky dad mm-hmm. in in charge of like all these preteen and teenage kids who were just like you old man <laughs> old timer he's refereeing the baseball game was so fun. <laughs> absolutely fun any any uh final Lo- uh, lone wolf and cub comics jason
3: you know, I'm try- I'm not t- I'm having trouble coming up with other comics because I'm stuck on like oh yeah like True Grit falls in like exactly, uh, like exactly. Falls in t- that's a great lone wolf and and uh, cub story type story um, yeah. the Sam Mendes movie um, um what's the movie with Tom Hanks where he's got his son in there Road to Perdition thank you oh yeah. That's
2: expedition based yeah, on a comic. Based on a
3: comic. Oh, that's right.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: right. Um, I I never read it though. I I don't yeah. I didn't process uh, it that you know way, but you're right.
2: You you'll be you'll be okay with it. Lone well, L- 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 Wolf and Cub I will also say uh, brilliant movies. So if you want more of that to see where that influence came from, you can really get to enjoy that kind of stuff.
3: It really is. It's the Batman and Robin, you know, like when when they've really leaned into it, you know, like the, the, you know, they Frank, Frank Miller's done it. Like when mm-hmm. they really lean into it, those, the Batman and Robin relationship when Robin yeah. especially isn't Damian Wayne. You know, like mm-hmm. Damian yeah, Wayne yeah, yeah, yeah. is not is not a cub. Like he's no, not Damien like Damian
2: Wayne's a stone cold killer. He's a he's
3: a fucking assassin. You are know?
2: right. The The Dark Knight Returns, like Carrie Kelly, exactly. That's I what like I was that's thinking. That's very yes. lone wolf and cub. Like and and Frank was hugely influenced by
3: these. Right, because he can't. He kind of can't shake her. He kind of she is. You know, there is an element of it. There's a reluctant dad element mm-hmm. to to that I think is part and parcel of this. It's not his child; he just has to take care. Deal of Deal with you it. Know? Yes. Yeah.
2: No, I love that. Also, I I went when the Batman came out. I went to Warner Brothers and I saw it, and Robert Pattinson was there. And he said something that I've never forgotten. Where somebody was like, "You know, would you do a Robin?" And he was like, "Only if the only if Robin is like 11. And I want to see awesome. it so badly because yeah. I'm like, that is how weird it needs to be, and that is that lone wolf and cub thing. Like, why do you have a child with you? Just like we ask, why is Din taking the baby everywhere? Yeah, I would
3: That's, love that. I think would that be would so be good. rad and 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 so upsetting in a way that <laughs> <Just> in, <laughs> a, in a way that I feel like they're interested in. Like yeah. I feel like that that Matt Reeves Batman universe is interested in him. Yeah. <laughs> In him making mistakes, and him mm-hmm. and him, you know, taking L's, and that would yeah, that would many. certainly be one, you know.
1: Well, Jason, it's been so delightful to have you on the program. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, such a wonder. Please Thank come you. back. Anything yes. to
2: plug?
3: Oh, um, I will plug. Uh, well, you were kind enough to mention the "How Did This Get Made?" podcast that I do. A wonderful podcast. Just uh, so much fun. Oh, thanks. With uh, Paul Shear and June Day and Raphael, where we talk about terrible movies and subject ourselves to watching them. It's really, it's been going on for 14 or 13 years and it's deeply upsetting. I'll also throw out a recommendation for something that I think you're, especially fans of this show will like, which is I'm one of the voices on Star Trek Prodigy. Yes um Ooh. which is a fantastic Star Trek animated show that is geared towards young people it is it's the first Star Trek story that takes place primarily with young adults with with mm-hmm. a, it's a group uh, it's a found family it's a it's a, you know a group of kids who are Basically trapped on a, a slave planet where they're you know they they manage to steal a ship and escape and 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 they go on like truly just like adventures um, mm-hmm. all all throughout Star Trek lore and canon and it's fantastic um, and
2: Janeway supremacy
3: I was just this is say, a
2: Voyager Janeway show like exactly. I could not say no to that
3: it really is so fun and so beautiful and it it feels very. Um, and I hope this is okay to say, but it to me feels very similar to a uh, Clone Wars or a Rebels in the sense of it is.
2: I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, it is yeah. young
3: protagonists and it is adventure based and it's a blast. And I play, you know, as always, a sixteen-year-old, which is <laughs> uh, typecasting, type typecasting type
1: uh, yet again.
3: Uh, but please, everybody, watch Star Trek: Prodigy. Uh, show it to your kids. It's a, it's incredible. A hard Star Trek sci-fi. It's a blast, and you know, if you don't mind, it's on Paramount Plus. Set it up to auto-play the whole series. We yeah, really you know. hey, just do it while you're watching while you're through. chilling. I'd cooking. love that completion rate, guys. I'd love it. <laughs>
5: hey,
1: uh, thank you so much, Jason.
3: Absolutely, thank you.
1: Up next, nerd out.
2: In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or a theory you're excited to share, Marcus pitches us on the Star Wars sequel trilogies in the wake of Star Wars Celebration 2023, and specifically on the fantastic Daisy Ridley as Rey.
5: Hey, Jason and Rosie. First time, long time. This week on the Nerd Out, I'm pitching a small series of independent films, better known as the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Ever heard of it? I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan who grew up with the prequels and never, ever expected we would get a sequel trilogy, but I always dreamed of one. So to get a trilogy starring an actress as talented as Daisy Ridley was a dream fulfilled. Look, the trilogy is not perfect, and its flaws are often over-exaggerated because of the perverse incentives of social media, but that's a nerd out for another time. Rey is, quite simply, one of the most compelling characters in all of Star Wars, and that's a testament to Daisy Ridley's incredible performances. As amazing as it was to see Han, Leia, and Luke on screen once more, it's Rey whose arc the trilogy is rightfully centered upon, and she is more than up for shouldering that responsibility. The raucous reaction in London when Lucasfilm announced Ridley was returning to the role is only a small testament to that fact. With the rise of Skywalker in the rearview mirror and the new Jedi Order on the horizon, there's really no better time to dive deep into Ray's arc with fresh eyes, unburdened by theories about her lineage and poisonous online discourse. Look, I, I can't wait to see her pass on what she has learned, not only from her predecessors, but her sequel trilogy peers to a new generation. After all, the Force is about much more than lifting rocks.
2: Thanks, Marcus. If you have theories or passions that you want to share, hit us up at x at crooked.com. Instructions, as always, in the show notes. And we also wanted to thank everyone for sending so many brilliant Mandalorian fan theories in. We love featuring a bunch on the pod and reading them over email. Apologies for not being able to include them all, but thank you for sending them and keep them coming.
1: That's it for us. A big thank you to Jason Manzukas, Rosie plugs, 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 plugs.
2: Read all those great comics that we talked about on the old podcast. Also, remember that May 6th is free comic book day. Yeah. That's a really special day where you can go to your local comic shop and you can get free comics. I will be doing a signing at Jeffrey's Comics, a wonderful comic shop that I love in the South Bay with a bunch of other Godzilla fans and cool, rad local creators. So come and visit us there. And as always, you can find me here twice a week doing this rad podcast.
1: May 19th on Amazon Prime slash Amazon Freebie. Watch Primo. May 19th, May 19th. Just search... Primo Shea TV show in your Amazon Prime box, and the program will come up, hit the plus symbol to add it to your watch list, and you're good to go, and then you just log on May 19th and you watch it. Quick note, quick housekeeping note. X-Ray Vision will be taking both episodes off next week for a little break, a little R&R. That means no new episodes of The Pod on Wednesday, April 26th or Friday, April 28th. We'll be back regular scheduled programming Wednesday, May 3rd.
2: And if you miss us and you want to watch old episodes or watch new episodes, subscribe on YouTube where you can watch full episodes of our show. Plus, follow us at XRVPod on Twitter and check out the Discord to meet and hang with tons of amazing fans, listeners, rad people who love rad stuff, and me and Jason.
1: Five-star ratings, five-star reviews. We need them. Five, we got to have five. them. You got to give them to us. Here's one from Johnny Blas. Fantastic. Jason and Rosie are very well-researched and hilarious. (laughs) Love this podcast. Their love of comics has introduced me and through me, my children... A wonderful world of comics. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Johnny. That's bless. The best news. Let's Read go. comics. We love that. X Ray Vision is a crooked media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>